Today we're in Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 to 9. Let's read it together. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Verses, this section kind of is one of these application sections. This is one of these, okay, you've been learning about Jesus, and these are the different things I've been telling you about Jesus and the way, um, uh, um, uh, how we need to just reach forward to the goal that God is calling us to. But, but here's some practical things I just want to nail down. Because really, what you have to remember is the, a lot of the New Testament letters are letters from a person, Paul, to a particular group of people that are just sorting stuff out like any particular group of people. And in any particular group of people, one of the things you'll find is that, if you haven't been around long enough, just wait, because it'll come, is that relationships are really hard to work out. And you, you have to work at having good relationships. And so of, when I think of all the exciting things that God's doing in our community and what's happening at Crosswinds, and, the, and now we have two sites, and, and now we're, you know, we, we have the chance to do a, a third site. When you think of the Apostle Paul, okay, let's, let's just, so I, I think of the grand strategy of Crosswinds and the opportunity to do churches all over our city. I mean, just, it's, I just start jumping out and thinking about movement and all these exciting things, which are awesome. Okay, so let's take a, let's take a step back and think Apostle Paul. This is the guy who's written most of the New Testament. This is the guy who started churches all over the Mediterranean, hundreds of miles, thousands of miles apart. Um, and he's, he's, he started churches, and he's in charge of, he's helping coach and manage and work with all these different churches. He's the leader of a movement. And when you think of all the grand, big ideas about what's going on, the thing he wants to take a, mo- a few moments on, something that he's heard about which is far away from where he's at, hundreds of miles away. He's heard about, and he's, what's been reported to him is this disagreement with Euodia and Syntyche. And so he wants to take a moment and address this relationship problem that's going on with these two people. Now, here, here's a couple of things. I'm, we don't know a lot about this, but here's a couple of things I'm going to guess. Number one, it's not theological. 
Because in the New, in the New Testament, when he writes letters, like in this one, he, he constantly instructs and tells people where they're right, where they're off base, where they're wrong, what they need to get kind of centered in on, and what's the, what's the right thing to, to do about a particular thing they need to believe about God. Theology, uh, theos, uh, God, uh, 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 theos, God, uh, ology is the study of. So um, theology is basically the study of God, and, and so Paul, I'm guessing that this issue is not theological, uh, I don't think Yodike is like denied, has come to the place where she's denying that Jesus is God, and Syntyche is like rebuking her. Yodike, you, you, you got to believe Jesus is God. And so Paul's not weighing in on this and saying, Yodia, uh, you have to realize Jesus is God. He's not, he doesn't do that. In other places, he's not afraid of doing that. If somebody's like off base theologically, he'll, he'll correct them. It's not that, probably. There are times when, when culturally he weighs in. Now, the New Testament church is really diverse. You have Greeks, you have, you have ethnic, different people from different countries, different cultures, different uh, ethnic backgrounds. Uh, you have Jews and Greeks and Romans, uh, Ital- Italian, Latin p- type people. And you have, you have all these diverse cultures. And in, the, in this new community of the church, and the word church means assembly, people, not building, in this new community of the church, there's a lot of cultural, you know, like, hey, we, we don't mind eating a good kielbasa once in a while. And all the Jews are saying, whoa, 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 we can't eat uh, pork. And so they show up for the potluck, and, and some got pork, and then some are like, well, it's wrong to eat pork. And, and so there's this big cultural, this big problem at the potluck. And, and so they, Paul weighs in, helps them sort that out. So in the New Testament church, there's lots of cultural differences, and he weighs in and helps them to sort out, hey, we are one people who are all under Jesus. It doesn't really, the differences are small compared to our our unifying uh, under Jesus. So he weighs in and helps sort that out. I'm guessing it's not not cultural. This seems to be some relational thing. So, So I'm like, is it this some small thing that he's like, so like, Syntyche gave Yodia her secret recipe to pot roast, and Yodia went down to the well and like spilled the beans so all the ladies in the neighborhood know Syntyche's secret agreed to the pot roast, and, and Syntyche's smoking mad. That was, my, I was my, that was my recipe, and I was going to uh, go into the pot roast competition in the neighborhood, and now you just ruined it for me. And so there's this big conflict about, about something. It's not really, wait, is it something like that? We, we don't know. Okay, so here's, here's an example of how this works in your daily experience. You ever been, you know, just doing something with somebody you're getting to know or somebody that you've, you're, you know, your, your relationship is growing, and, and all of a, and something just comes out. You just do something, or you say something, and all of a sudden, it's like you stepped on a landmine, and everything blows up. And you're standing back to, whoa, what, what just happened? And and you all of a sudden, they are completely upset about something that you kind of just innocently strolled into and had no idea. But it causes sincere and significant problem between you and this person. Here's what he says. Whatever this issue is, we don't know, but here's what he says. You know something? If there's a problem, you need to work it out. I don't really know what the problem is, but you need to work it out. There there are some, I don't know if you guys ever been a part of an environment like this, but there are some environments where people sit on, it probably takes a bigger group than this, 
like church sides. But some churches, like some person sits on one side of the church and another person sits on the other side of the church and they don't talk and everybody knows they don't talk. And when they come in from different doors, they leave from different doors and everybody's like, yeah, well, those people don't talk. That's kind of how it works around here. Really? I thought we were all one person in the body of Jesus. How does this work? Well, we say that, but no, Paul says, work it out. And you know what? If you can't work it out, then a couple of people who are really good friends, you need to just step in and say, hey, I care about you both, and I just want you to work it out. What do we need to do to work this out? And that's, that's really important. Having harmonious relationships of all the things, the huge things that could be written in the Bible about awesome, great things that God could do. He like highlights a moment and says, Yodia and Syntyche need to work out their problem. And why does he put that in there? Because we all have a hard time getting along with others. And sometimes we need to sort stuff out and work it out. And and it takes some work. Don't be afraid of stepping in to help a friend because you love them. And, and then secondly, the, sort, the way, the way we, we work it out is, is really kind of takes us up to our next point, which is how we're walking in the spirit. And this is what he says um, after this little section. Um, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. The biggest thing that we need to define our heart and our lives is finding our joy in God. One of the things I love about this is that there's a very positive, there's a very positive aspect here. In fact, a great theologian, somebody I love, John Piper said, wrote a paper and it kind of stirred up a little controversy and it said, God is most glorified. His, his whole heading of his paper was this. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him, when we find our greatest joy in him. This is not, some, some of you grew up in an environment where spiritually, you were raised where your whole spiritual life was defined by a bunch of things you did not do and that you were told you were not supposed to do. And it some, went something like this. You don't drink, you don't chew, and you don't go with girls who do. Okay, I mean, I, I don't know what, what, the, what your list was. I don't know. But some people, when they were growing up, their whole spiritual environment was defined by saying, hey, you don't do this, you don't do this, you don't do this. And so their spiritual lives were, were defined by a bunch of things they weren't supposed to do. And then when they, you know, God created us to experience joy in life, and it's like, well, where, where do I go with that? And then they get frustrated with their Christian experience. Here's, here's the, the big thing, that God wants us to find our deepest joy. God wants us to have joy. And God wants us to find our deepest joy in him. And, and that's our struggle. Because this morning, right, Mary and I were just drinking a cup of coffee and we, we turn on the TV. And, uh, and so uh, Mary always makes the coffee. She always gets, get up, gets up before me, uh, lets the wild animal in, that my cat, and, uh, and, and then, uh, and then I, I fix some toast and, then, and the TV's on in the kitchen and we're usually catching the weather. And so uh, we're drinking coffee, and three commercials pop up. First one is, uh, you need to go on vacation because you need a break. And Mary says, we need to go on vacation. 
And I'm like, okay, well, let's go. And then, and then the next commercial was, it showed a brand new Chevy Blazer truck. I think it, was a, it wasn't a Blazer, it was a truck. A brand new Chevy truck. And, and then it said, it said, you need this. And Mary said, we need to take that on vacation. And I'm saying, yeah, let's do that. And then the third commercial was furniture. And it showed a lady when she got the new furniture dancing all over the house. And I thought, I want to dance like that. We need new furniture. Because... Everyday stuff is thrown at you to say, if you get this, or you do this, or you be this, you will find joy. You will be happy. Okay, the biggest lie of that whole thing was furniture. How many of you are happy with furniture or even notice the furniture you got six months? I mean, by, within two weeks, I got coffee stains all over it. I mean, it's, and the cat's already slept on it, and there's already fur. I mean, how long does, how long does new, a truck will last a little longer. Okay, but new furniture, come on. How long are you dancing with that? Every, day, every morning you wake up and dance because you got the new couch, okay? But you have to understand that our culture tells us that happiness is found by what you will get, and it could be a relationship. Or, and, what will, and, and, and if you're not satisfied, then you need to tr- cash that in and find another one. But the thing that will define your happiness is a relationship or a thing or, or money, or, or a certain amount of ach- success or achievement, or maybe you'll define it by your family, or how I'll, whatever these things that we have around us that, that we kind of, our culture constantly throws at us, that says we are entitled to, we deserve it, and, and if we don't get it, we should rightfully be upset. We expect that we need a new car every, every uh, so often, brand new car every, every six months, and new furniture on a regular basis, on top of all the vacations we're going to. Unfortunately, this piles up a lot of debt, bills, which means we have to go to work, and we work, what, overtime, so we, so we get tired and exhausted, so we can't, what, Go on vacation. I mean, the, the way the world defines all this whole thing, it's like a treadmill, you know, like the hamster just running, 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 which is what some of you feel like this morning, if you feel like that. Here, here's what God, here, here's one of the things that the Lord starts this whole section about in living a spirit-filled life and, and the ways in which we need to, the, the way it's exhibited. A spirit-filled life, a genuine life centered on Jesus, means we find our deepest joy in in Jesus. Now, there's a lot of things we enjoy, but here's one of the things you have to understand. The deepest joy that you can find is in Jesus. Relationships bring a lot of joy to our lives. Enjoying a good career is great, and we enjoy that. Going on vacation and getting new furniture and cars, those things are like, I like those things. Those are good. But relationships have problems, and cars break down and wear out. And two weeks after that great vacation, when you're back in the grind, you're like, oh my goodness, what happened? To my, I need to go back on vacation. Okay. But here's the thing we have about Jesus. Paul says in Romans 8, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not death, not life, not angels, not demons, not principalities, not power. Nothing in all creation can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And when we find our deepest joy in Jesus, 
if, if our health struggles and we don't have the health we want or maybe the picture-perfect body that's shown in the commercials or whatever, and we don't have that, that, that does not have to rob us of our ultimate joy. If we don't have the, 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 the money that we wish we did or we don't have the relationships that we think would you know, be there or we don't have, or, or, or our families have problems or whatever those other things are that we have expectations about and want and some of them are awesome and good uh, but, but we don't, we're not there yet and we don't have them, we can still have great joy. So sometimes this is what we do in worship after I speak. Sometimes we're going through really difficult struggles. And in the middle of the struggle, you, you, in the time of worship, you see and you feel the presence of Jesus and the glory of God. And you, you, can, ha- and you, can, you can walk in that joy. And then you can take that joy home. And you can live with that. That's what we do. In the Psalms, it says the joy of the Lord is our what? It's our strength. So your spiritual life can be defined by strength, be defined by strength. And the strength is your joy in Jesus. And I love that. Now, the way, the way this joy is worked out, the, the, the result of that joy, I think, is some of these things that come out that are, that are mentioned in, in just bullet point kind of things that he tells us, kind of like words of advice for living. So here, here's a couple. The, the Lord, uh, okay, let's take it, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. Okay, so, so how many of you, you know, you, your, your relationship with Jesus started like this, you know, Jesus was up in heaven and he's looking down and, and, and seeing, he said, wow, they are killing it. I could really use them on my team. What, what do I need to do to get them on my team? Because if I, if I could have them on my team, they would be awesome and they are, they're doing everything I ever wanted them to do and now I would like them to be on my... I, 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 it didn't start like that. How does it start? It starts by the fact that we are broken, that we have all fallen short, that we've all messed up and so we're separated and so Jesus comes. Jesus lives a sinless life perfect, the only person who ever did, then he, in spite of his sinless perfect life, he dies the death we deserve to die, and then he defeats for us our own fallenness, Satan, sin, death, all of it, creates a whole new future for us and gives us the opportunity to enter in relationship with him now and for all eternity. And then, and then we, it's referred to as this great exchange. All of my fallenness goes to Jesus. All of my brokenness is laid on him. And that happened at the cross. And now I enter into that. And when I know that God sees me, he does not see me. What defines me is not my fallenness, but the righteousness of Jesus. And so I'm rejoicing in that. And so what defines my life from the very beginning in my relationship with Jesus is pride or humility. Which one is it? It's humility. It is what what defines and begins your whole Christian experience is the fact that you and I have received grace. And so because we have received grace and the thing that began our relationship with Jesus, this should be the thing that defines our relationships with other people. Graciousness. Now, graciousness is 
Our translation says considerate. It's also translated graciousness. Uh, some translation, no, this says graciousness. Other ones say considerate. And so what this means is, is in our relationships with other people, it means we should be humble. We should be patient. We should be able to submit, even if somebody does us wrong. We should, we should be patient with that. It means even if we're maltreated, we should not respond with hatred and malice, but we, we should give grace like we receive grace. So the scripture says, if your brother has done something that defends you, the way we think of it is we think they should come to us. But here's what the scripture says. If your brother does something that offends you, you need to go to them. Now, why, why, one, of the, one of the reasons I think the scripture says that is because it's very easy sometimes to offend people and not know. You ever have somebody mad at you and you don't know why? It's like all of a sudden they're like, you know, not, not returning your phone call. You, you see them, it's like, you know, and you come into church and they're sitting on the other side of, of the church. And, 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 and in this church, there is no, maybe there is a back door, maybe out the kitchen. They're using the They're the only one that uses the kitchen in the back door because you're standing by this door. And it's like, and you, what, what happened? I don't know. You ever have that, have that happen? And so what, what we do is we go to them and we say, is there, is there something that I have done that has offended? You know, like, is there, is there something going on? And can we talk about this? And you approach them. And so that, that is defined. That's what graciousness. And so your graciousness should be known to everyone the Lord is near. He is where we're finding our joy. He's close to us. Don't, don't, don't be troubled if we have relationships. Don't let, don't let that thing just totally uh, be the thing that defines us. The Lord is near. We're finding our joy in Jesus. If we have struggles in relationships with other people, be gracious. Be considerate. The second thing he says um, is don't worry. Now he says this in verse six and seven. Um, don't worry about anything. But in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. So he says, that, that, he says don't worry about anything, but another way of saying that is instead. Instead of worrying, we need to, to pray and go to God in, in, in prayer and, and surrender and give whatever we're dealing with or we're struggling with to him. When it, when it comes to worry, a lot of that has to do with the present situation that we don't know how it's going to work out or maybe something in the future that we're, we're, we're wondering about and we don't know how it could possibly be worked out or we think the potential ways in which something could go wrong and so we start to worry. And, and one of the options we have that goes back to a finding our joy in the Lord is that when God saved us, uh, God saved us in the past, even though he knew our future. So, so Jesus is the God of the past and the present and what? And the future. And, and if, he, and if we, he, he loves us more than we'll ever know, and we can trust him then, then what we're doing is 
coming to him as a child and saying, I I don't understand this, Jesus, but I know you love me more than I can understand, and I know you know the future, so I'm just gonna give this to you. Now, that doesn't always mean that it's gonna be easy because we know that a lot of times we deal with stuff that's very difficult. It doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. It doesn't mean it's, it's gonna work out maybe the way we, we want or intend or plan it. And, and the way this world works, the way a lot of, type, a lot of way people think of it, they, they think of how things wanna work out and then they make their plans. And then they, the, once they make their plans, they have the expectation that whatever they plan is supposed to go that way. Now, when it doesn't go that way, then the wheels come off the bus and everybody's all, you know, the whole thing's going crazy, okay? So let me just ask you this question. Like two years ago, How many of you thought you would be dealing or working with and what you're dealing with right now? Two years ago, you thought you'd be sitting right now on whatever you're dealing with. How many of you thought that? How many of you, you know, like five years ago, you maybe made a plan or thought of something and then you you, you actually, you were actually there. How many of us does that work out? (laughs) Most of us, it does not. See, we make plans, we have ideas, we hope things, you know, like, let's make, and is it good to make a plan? It's awesome, it's great, we should make plans. But often, the plans don't go the way we, we kind of think. Now, when things don't go the way we want to think, what we do is we try to control it, and then we try to, like, turn that thing, I'm going to make this thing work, okay? And, and a lot of times, they will not work that way because really, actually, when it comes to life, there's not a lot of things we control. In spite of that, we still constantly try to control things. So let me give you an illustration from the ancient world about stuff people tried to control. There's a place in England called Bath. Um, and in Bath, they have, the Romans made these big steam baths. It's still in England. The Romans were amazing engineers, and they, made, they t- turned these hot springs into hot baths. So you, uh, they were all going, like hanging out in this big hot tub thing, and, uh, and so it was this place. And in Bath, they found, I got a picture of that. Uh, so in Bath, they found these, these tablets. They just recently found these things. There, there's the place where they found it. That still exists. That's, that's in Bath, England. So in, in the, they were excavating in there, and deep buried in the mud, they found these things called curse tablets. And, and they started reading them, and they found out that, that these things were, were tablets that were written. They're kind of like stuff was scrawled in, and they threw it in the water. And they found a lot of them in different places. And they were, they were trying to, writing things on these tablets where they, they scratched them in and they, they threw them in. Sometimes they were written on lead scrolls and rolled up and then thrown in the well. And they were basically uh, spells of, of the way they wanted to control or make something go. And so a lot of times it had to do, they write these tablets and it had to do with litigation. People were suing each other and they hoped that the person that was suing them would lose an eye. You know, like, I hoped uh, Tamikius loses his right eye for suing me, you know. And they throw that in the thing, like, take that, Tamikius. And then they're, they're trying to control a situation that they can't control. Now, are we frustrated when we're trying to control things we can't control? We are. And, and how much actually do we control in life? Sometimes not very much. But that is the struggle that we have. They, they found a bunch of them. There's all types of them. There's curses. They include one against rival sports teams. Some of you might relate to that. Um, rival businesses, thieves. There was, they found in those things a lot of love and sex spells. 
Men tended to deploy cursed tablets to arouse women's passion, while women mostly use cursed tablets to stimulate men's affection. That's under the headline, some things never change. Okay, 2,000 years ago, and that's what we're dealing with. Okay? And that's because we're trying to deal with things we can't control. And, and, and the anxiety that goes along with that. And here's the thing. We can, the, the way our worry is not going to be, the, the way our worry is going to be controlled is not by regaining our original plan. Because a lot of times plans don't work out the way we think or expect. The way we can avoid and get out of worry is by giving whatever plans we make, which are good, giving them to Jesus, surrendering them to Jesus, sliding them across the table and saying, Lord, this is what I want to do. This is all good. This is awesome. But here, this is, this is, I'm going to find my joy in you. These are your plans. However this works out, I'm going to give this to you. And when we do that, then we surrender the end result to Jesus. And then we, again, even in the future, we can find joy in our relationship with Jesus. And so we give it to Jesus. We pray. We say, you're in charge. And, and we, we know that you will, we will do this. When it comes to worry, verse, verse 8, finally, the final section, focus your thoughts. So focus your thoughts. That, that's just like, okay, instead of finding, finding thinking how you're gonna control everything, focus your thoughts on finding your joy in Jesus. People uh, around us, are, everybody's trying to control everything by their exercise or by their efforts. What we do is we give our joy, give our life, give our thoughts, fix our thoughts on Jesus. And when we do that, we can find our, our center. So I don't know what spoke to you today. If there was one of these verses that you're particularly is speaking to you, I would encourage you to go home, write that thing on a piece of paper, uh, think about it, pull it out of your pocket, write it down, and focus your thought on that. And when worry pops up, or anxiety pops up, or the struggle pops up, or whatever we're dealing with, uh, remind yourself that my ultimate joy is found in Jesus. Let's pray.